Hi everyone! Before we start the show, I wanted to ask that if you like what we're doing here, you might consider donating to keep it moving onward and upward. We have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon and a PayPal at paypal.me backslash Hegelbon. $5 a Patreon will get you bonus episodes, but even a dollar helps more than you can imagine because no cartridge is funded by listeners like you. Thank you. Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter, and with me today is uh, actually a, a new friend of mine online, a uh, uh, host or co-host of uh, the excellent Trash Future Pod, uh, at Trash Future Pod, uh, but this is Riley, Riley Quinn. Hello. Of at R-A-A-L-E-H. Hey man, how's it going? It's a bad handle. It's a bad handle and I regret it. People will find it. Don't worry. So hey man, what are you, what are you, uh, it's really nice to have you here. What are you here to, uh, to talk with us about? Thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Fan of the pod. Glad to glad to hop on here in the um, in 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 my bedroom. I'm I'm more used to recording, sort of trying to shout over five sort of braying British accents. So this is way easier yeah, man, uh, than usual. Quiet here. <laughs> um, and we are here to talk about uh, the video games version of Methadrone. <laughs> uh, or sorry, not Methadrone, Methadone. Yeah. No. <laughs> Still, yeah, like weaning yeah, yourself off. similar. <laughs> what you can get when you can't get the real stuff. Yeah, yeah. streaming, just, just streaming uh, YouTube videos into my veins um, directly because I have been basically, until very recently, congenitally unable to own a video game system mm-hmm. uh, for quite some time. Yeah. So I've come to, I think, have a real appreciation of the art of the stream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's so interesting about what you were talking about and like – there's like there's a level of streaming I don't get. Like I don't understand Twitch streaming. I do it sometimes and people have told me I need to do it more often and like but I just like I don't really get it and um someday I'll get it and someday I'll figure out why people watch it. But I do get YouTube streaming. I understand why you'd watch let's plays. I understand mm. stuff like that. Um I think Retsupri do fun. Let's I'm much more of a YouTube stream guy. Yeah, I guess like I wonder maybe we can talk about the distinction there cuz is there like mm-hmm. why in your mind, what's the distinction between the YouTube streams and the Twitch streams? Is it plottedness? Is it somehow like the fact that one's live and one's not? Well, I think the um, I don't know. Uh, I think with the uh, with with the with the Twitch streams, I, my 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 sense is that there's sort of is that it, it it's more sort of interactive between the people on on the stream as well, right? Sometimes, Whereas, yeah. Yeah, I feel like with the um, the YouTube stream, because I especially I take them in sort of quite often when they're not live. You know, if they're um, especially because you know, most of the people are uh, uh, who are doing this are are American. And um, spoiler alert: uh, I live in Britain. I apologize; I don't have a better accent. Um, and so I, I find that for me, uh, YouTube just for these almost um, incidental reasons, sort of unrelated to the the nature of anything sort of inherent about the medium. 
Uh, I find myself sort of driven more to YouTube streams. Um, and I find really one of the things I've sort of really enjoyed about uh, YouTube streaming, something I'd like to sort of get into, is the ways in which it allows um, people playing the video games to sort of turn them into their own thing. Um, where it's where I, it's there because there, there are two ways to enjoy it. You could enjoy it purely as an expression of skill. You know, if you're watching a speed run, for example, you could, you could just be, or um, I, uh, I also do, I like to watch sort of people doing um, uh, perfect Metal Gear Solid missions. Yeah, no, for sure. I get it. <laughs> like, but, but just in fucking execute, just carrying them off like, like perfectly. Um, I was, uh, the other day I was watching the, um, I was, I was watching someone do a, uh, uh, a speed run of the um, uh, 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 Phantom Pain level, uh, where you're extracting the prisoners from the uh, from the base and putting them on a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I, I, it was like the person was they were taking, you know, like like, like quite quite a while. But yeah. I was just, it was just, it was like watching sort of just an, an an athlete just nailing every single shot. And it doesn't matter if they're not, you know, using a large muscle in their leg. They're still, it's an expression of excellent skill. But that's, I think, only one kind of, of, of stream. And the other one is, I think, way more interesting, um, which is where someone takes the, the video game um, as like a set of um, capabilities almost and turns it into something else entirely. Um, and so I think one of the best examples of, of this is uh, a series, and I'm going to just really show my ass as a normie here, um, is a series that Polygon puts on uh-huh. uh, called Monster Factory. Monster Factory is uh, great. I don't think that makes yeah. me an army. Everyone likes Monster Factory. <laughs> Monster Factory fucking rocks. Um, but and just uh, it, I guess, do, do you want to explain what it is or what it is, or shall I? No, I mean you, you go for it. It's like, it, but to me, like in a lot of ways, it's like the it's like the the gamer's version, the mere the more pure gamer version of something like John Boyce's uh, uh, Breaking Madden. Right with like I don't know if you've seen that or not, but basically I haven't um, seen Breaking Madden. Uh, so basically, John Boyce takes these uh, of SB Nation, uh, so Polygon related in that way, uh, takes mm-hmm. these um, takes the the Madden series, the 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 American football series. I'll say American football because you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. You know, act, actual football. God, your listeners, um, <laughs> your listeners be so disappointed. <laughs> uh, takes the American football uh, series, uh, the Madden series. And just like basically pushes it to the limits at which the game breaks. So like he'll have he'll customize teams where like um, you know one team is uh, all ultra scrawny like 120 pound five foot seven people, and the other team <laughs> is like seven one 450 pounds, and like just watch how much they get destroyed. Um, and it's fascinating. I mean, it's like super good. Oh, yeah. Um, and Monster Factory to me seems like the sort of gamer version of that, where like you just like you take the the premises of character creation and just push them to their ultimate limits. Well, it's the uh, they have this rule: uh, uh, no middle sliders. Um, <laughs> the, the, the two guys making this, uh, uh, Griffin and Justin McElroy, are they're two Polygon guys. They're also podcasters. They're very funny. Yeah, and they're like the I think probably the only source of non irony content that I consume. Um, because they're both very sort of nice boys. Do they count? Uh, yeah. Is, is my brother, my brother and me irony or not? I do. I think it's sincere. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. I, I don't think I, I, I never counted it as irony. I don't know. I could be wrong. No, I think you're um, right. People, uh, sincere people yeah. seem to like it too. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but what I like about what, what they do monster factory, um, 
when they, there's sort of, well, there's two stages to every Monster Factory video. There is character creation, and then they kind of, uh, much much like much like uh, in Breaking Mad, and they then kind of break the game a bit by yep. playing with this completely insane character <laughs> in a way that's just not intended by the developers. Um, and so what they'll do is they will, you know, it's sort of they'll use the game and the mechanics of the game um, to sort of create their own improv game with their own rules um, and and use it as the sort of basis of content creation. Um, and so I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, I think one of the best examples of this, they play, they almost have like a cracked version of the Sims. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they do is, you know, is they create several, several Sims that live together, uh, a version of Darth Vader called Dark Vader, <laughs> uh, who is, uh, I think an accountant and okay. is kind of a nerd. Um, his kid, uh, day trader Vader, who's committing financial crimes and is the size of a beach ball. Um, and, uh, then a cousin, cousin special agent who lives with them and is trying to send them all to jail. Obviously none of this is very little of this is borne out in the mechanics of the game. Really? They are. Yeah. <laughs> surprisingly. There's Weird. no, there's I no way. Of, yeah. That Maxis didn't think about this or Firaxis didn't yeah, think about this? Maxis didn't include insider trade as one of the buttons. Like eat, sleep, insider trade. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, I thought when they hired Jordan Belfort, it was strange. Um, no, so um, what, um, so what, but what you get is you get these two guys sort of playing with the limits of what it's possible to make in the Sims character creator by giving someone, you know, cheekbones that stretch out wider than, wider than their, their shoulders. Right. But then creating a story around them um, sort of collaboratively as they play through this game, but without sort of reaching any of the levels you're supposed to reach by sort of with by and by sort of reacting to what the game gives them when it's played in a way it's not intended to be played. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting because like I'm thinking of uh, so I recently streamed. uh, I I actually like if you're if you are uh, going one way uh, across the ocean, although you've been in, in, in Britain for a while, uh, one of our other frequent guests, Hazel Monfortin, did the other thing where she moved from uh, your islands to um, to the U.S. She moved over to Austin to start working at, um, uh, why did I forget their name? Um, Arcane, uh, who put out okay. the Dishonored and Prey series. Um, but we were playing, she wrote on the, the most recent Dishonored game, and so she offered to come on and, and stream um, on my Twitch stream the last level of that game. So that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, I'm not... I'm not I'm not as bad as most video game journalists. I'll give you that. But like I'm not <laughs> professionally adept at video games. I'm not like no one's going to mistake me for a pro gamer. Um and so I kept dying cuz I set the game on hard because like I you know, I have the stupid pride of a gamer too. But like I set the, <laughs> <laughs> set the game on hard and I just kept dying and getting spotted and stuff. And what was funny about it was, you know, Hazel kept ribbing me and like we were laughing about it. Um but what was so funny about it was like as she was ribbing me, as, she, as we were laughing about it, it sort of became a thing where, like, at a certain point in the level, I just kind of gave up my entire playing style that I'd had through the rest of the game. I don't know if you've played or watched the Dishonored games, but they rely heavily on stealth. Like, you can either choose stealth or you can choose chaos, and, like, you can be ultra-violent or ultra-stealthy. And I usually play as ultra-stealthy, and then just, like, I kept dying and I got frustrated, so I was like, fine! And I just, like, I just was very violent through the whole level. And just, I ruined everything. <laughs> and it, it like, there was the story that was happening in the game itself. And then also the story that was happening of me trying to get through this level. 
and it's true like as the as i interacted with hazel and interacted with the game those two stories kind of ended up going on parallel tracks Mm -hmm. um and i think it's really cool to sort of see that not as a uh, as the mcroys do and as john boyce does like not as a um uh a flaw inherent to streaming which of course like it is like you can't you'd Mm -hmm. love to stream your best level right like i'd love to stream my version of playing through uh, Dark Souls where I'm never hit because I just keep going back and like, <laughs> you know, refreshing every time I'm hit and <laughs> splicing it all yeah. together. But you can't because it's live. So it's interesting to take that and actually not consider it a bug, but consider it a feature. I think it, it I, I think it's um you can there are some where it's it's a bit almost it is like a show. But and again, I, I don't want to keep going back to the McElroy. Well, it's just that they're particularly good at this, um, <laughs> which is the uh because I think there are sort of two types. Um, well, there's there's more than two types. There are you know infinite types. Um, but where the, uh, the where the same group of people, a larger group, they they'll they have a um, a regular uh, PUBG game. Uh, okay. Yeah, where they uh, where it will be you know some, again some group of those of those editors from Polygon. Um, I, I, by the way, I'm secretly advertising for Polygon. <laughs> yeah, well, this is like welcome to Polygon Hour. Uh, yeah, well, it's the because these this is the thing is it's the I think the macro I think the macroys have a very good sense of how to do it, mm-hmm. but and there are these are like the two I think best best examples of the two different kinds of of sort of stream games that I think of, where you, first is you have the Monster Factory type, which is very sort of which is sort of more. Um, more, more sort of episodic, almost more, almost more like a collage. Yeah, it's deconstructed. Take, it's yeah, where you're, yeah, you are you're, you're you're deconstructing the game, and I think that's probably the more interesting one. And then there's the the other kind that I sort of spend a lot of time taking in and explaining to my friends why I spend so much time watching. Um, is the one where it's almost like it might as well be a podcast, where mm. it's um, and it sort of it, it actually reminds me a little bit of the um, some of my own experiences playing games back when I was able to and did, um, which I can explain, um, which was, which is just, there's the, there is sort of a group of them having almost a people talking podcast. Right. And much like you're saying, it gets these where the, the game itself becomes almost a, a sort of a basis for improvisation, uh, on top of the game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there are other, other sort of other streamers uh, that do this as well, sometimes solo. Uh, like there's uh, one guy, uh, Sky Storm, who's sort of relatively popular in Britain. And, and he tends to play games that you wouldn't even think of being particularly interesting to stream. Um, or s- some people wouldn't. I, I can't, again, I can't stop. I never get any sleep because of it. What, uh, what game? Give, will, me, give me some examples. Uh, he'll play uh, Transport Fever, for example. Okay. And he'll play a hundred hours of it. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll put on because I'm very regular. He'll put on like a hundred hours, a uh, hundred episodes, like a couple episodes a week of him um, starting with the sort of I don't know. Are you familiar with Transport Fever? Not really. No. Oh, it is. It is. There's this whole sort of cottage industry of um, Steam games of making a video game out of something that, in by all uh, by all rights, is an obsessively detailed version of an extremely boring thing. Oh, but okay. So, like, you're a truck yeah. simulator. Yeah, like that. But okay. this one's yeah. much more systemic. Okay. I guess this one is. Um, you have a sort of a, a sort of semi-randomly generated map with. Um, sort of various resources and towns about, and the um, and and you sort of just control some kind of nameless, formless company uh, that sort of exists somewhere in the ether. Okay, 
it's not based in any of the towns. Um, and your what you do is you sort of just build the transport infrastructure that links these towns, and they sort of grow organically, and they have various demands for different things, and you sort of hook up. But it's very it's a very much a game of sort of hooking up and optimizing, hmm. where by the end, sort of it can get, it gets so sort of detailed that by the end of the game, when you know you've gone from making a horse drawn carriage go from one town to another, you're um, creating like. 12 lane electrified bullet trains and so on that are sort of infinitely and intricately complicated. Okay. And it takes hours just to do the signaling. So that should, it's like like SimCity, but, uh, but taken to its absolute extreme. Yeah. And, but I think, and I was trying to think why, why do I love just watching him play this? Because if I was to be playing it, there is a very sort of obvious kind of hedonic quality to puzzle solving. Yeah, of course. Which is more or less essentially what it is. It is um, it, you, you, it, you're presented with a set of variables and a set of thing of actions you can take, um, and sort of a, and a constraint being you know the the money in your bank account and the year it is. So you have this kind of technology and you know the um, uh, even the gradient of the ground you're trying to build on. You sort of work within those constraints to achieve a result. There is an obvious problem solving, if you like, dopamine hit in that. Yeah, it's also this idea of. Um... I don't know, detachment from the real world, right? Like a lot of these simulation mm-hmm. games, uh, and especially games that make you focus so deeply on minutia. I mean, it's stuff that if you were required to do it for your job would seem, um, would seem tedious or, or, you know, <laughs> annoying or whatever, but simply, and like, I, I, I seriously think this, I, I seriously think that because they are detached from the profit motive, that all of a sudden you get sort of like what you get a vision or a sort of instinct of what some socialists or some communists mean when they say like, oh, no, no, no. Like, it's not that there wouldn't be work under communism. It's that you wouldn't like you wouldn't mind doing it. Yeah, well, it's I think it's it's that. Um, well, uh, a uh, can we possibly cut in the clip from The Simpsons where the kids are on the yard work simulator? <laughs> we possibly can. I'll try and find it. <laughs> Or just, or just keep, or just keep in the audio of me requesting it. Um, yeah, it's. I think that's. I think I sort of. I have um, sort of two, two, two things off of that. Um, number one is I still I understand the hedonic like value of solving that puzzle. Uh, I think you're right. It is connected to that being. Uh, no, I think it is connected to that not being part of the profit motive. But I also wonder if it's connected to the fact that, you know, it's um. The goal, like your, if you almost see like your immediate term goals are directly connected to what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, if yeah. you get tired, because so, if you're, if you're playing uh, transport fever and you get, say, say you know, I'm, I'm fucking tired of signaling <laughs> right now. I quit. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. You can go get a snack. Um, <laughs> but also I sort of, I wonder um, why I, and this is not something I even have a, a satisfying answer to necessarily. Uh, why why is it fun to watch someone do it? Yeah. We think. No, I agree. And like, I, I, so my experience with streaming and it's funny cause like mm-hmm. definitely before I did this podcast, I started flirting with the idea of getting back into gaming via streaming in the way you're talking about. Like when you mm-hmm. said streaming immediately, I, I went to Twitch cause that's my, you know, where I'm at mm-hmm. now. But in thinking about it, I was like, Hey, wait, like I remember when I used to just watch a bunch of YouTube videos of, of games and like it started with um, 
this is embarrassing because I, you know, <laughs> it's it's something awful related. But like, uh, uh, Lotax uh, would would do these gaming streams um, sometimes with Schmarky, and then after Schmarky completely embarrassed himself uh, via all sorts of things that people online I'm sure already know uh, via these um, uh, teaming up with people like um, uh, Slow Beef from from Retsupry, who are basically just like have made a cottage industry out of doing what you're talking about, like streaming games, streaming these games. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'd stream like very terrible games. And I could not get enough of watching it. I could not get enough of watching them talk over these games. Like, uh, like the, the motion capture, the video capture, weirdo CD ROM detective game. ripper. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there, there was a while where I was, um, there, and when I'm at my sort of most tasteless streaming, uh, I have in, in history um, when, I, when I'm doing, and that's that's the thing. I'm, I'm going to say a sentence that I, I think is is relatively unbelievable. When I do the video game streaming, I'm embarrassed about. <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> there we go. When I'm not doing the video game streaming, that's cool. Um, I'm, Which we all uh, know what that is. Of course, absolutely. The, <laughs> the, the, the sexy big dick video game streaming, obviously. You know, I, I, I will vacillate between sort of going for for going for that kitsch value almost mm-hmm. yeah. of wanting of of finding these sort of cultural artifacts. So I guess. It, it was kind of, and you're, it's a way to access kind of trash culture and ephemera of like the 80s and 90s when it was kind of trash culture, when we didn't have like AAA video games, we didn't have like Shenmue coming in and trying to yeah. tell a beautiful moving story. Um, <laughs> Stupid Shenmue, Shen. how dare you? <laughs> it, but when, when you, when it, and I don't mean trash culture by something being bad, but rather right. it wasn't considered like a high cultural art form, like comic books we love now, but at the time they were considered ephemera. Yes, yeah, it, well, um, it's, it's low culture in like sort of the the sense that you can you can engage with it without having to be too serious about it. Like, there's that yeah. option effectively, and, and like so not even I, that option that like almost almost a um almost almost like a requirement not to. Like, I'm thinking like mm-hmm. stuff like Ripper, stuff like early video games that were just so uninterested in pretension. It's like if you try to if you try to close read Golgo thirteen or like Bionic <laughs> Commando or something. Like, good luck. Well, I, I was thinking of um, how, in that case, I, it's you could either watch um, uh, YouTube YouTube uh, versions of something like all of the FMV cutscenes from Red Alert. <laughs> there you go, nice. Um, which uh, yes. I mean, and, and because I, um, I I I have what's called intrusive thoughts. Um, it's a it's a it's a kind of psychology your brain can have. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, I. So, so basically what happens, it's a it's a type of psychology where um, you'll be walking along and your brain will keep saying, jump in front of that bus. Right. And you'll be like, no, I don't want I don't want to do that. Um, but your brain and, keeps saying, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, for, yeah. for ages, I never actually had a name for it. So that's interesting. But for ages, I would like, I would be sitting in a situation and I'd be thinking like, what uh, my immediately, like in every situation. And I think I brought this up to someone and I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know how you do that. And they said, no. But they were like, no, I don't. But I would, I would, every situation I would be like, huh. Yeah, you know, I'd be sitting with close friends or family or whatever. I was like, I wonder what I could do that would be the absolute worst thing I could do here. Like, at, at like, not, like, take away any sort of, like, thing. Like, what could I do, like, if I was in class? What, like, what if I just, like, what would happen if I walked up to the front of the room and just, like, punched the teacher really hard in the face? Like, what, what would what what consequences would would come from that? I'd be like, can I make that worse? And just like go from there. Yeah, I totally if, get it. If if someone's filming it, then you get a show on MTV. 
uh, in the early two thousands. I just like, I Um, I turn to the camera and name it. And then all of a sudden I'm famous. (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll even, yeah. Like I'll be, I remember I was, um, I was sitting in a, a job interview for my current job, and all I could think of was "Don't scream the word fuck." <laughs> all I could think about. Well, they were like, "All right, so uh, do you want to tell me how many golf balls you think could fit into the body of a Boeing seven forty seven? I was like, "Don't say fuck, don't say fuck, don't say fuck." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's, but it's stuff like that too, where you might. It's not even like it's it's because I think like a lot of people have that fear of like, oh, don't screw up. But it, it's not yeah. even that. It's like it's like the mind saying, "Yeah, okay." Um, it's not even don't screw up. It's that your mind then takes the next step. And it's like, instead of telling them how many golf balls you could fit into a Boeing 747, like tell them you want to have sex with their wife. <laughs> tell them how many golf balls you could fuck into a Boeing 747. Yeah, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, what, what, what would happen? Hypothetically. <laughs> so, all right, uh, Jake Paul, YouTube social experiment, going for a job interview. <laughs> See? Yeah, no. All you have to do is, like, twist this and make and you become famous. So we're going we're to cut this part out because this is now our business plan. But... Uh, <laughs> But what I say is what where sort of gaming comes in with this for me is all of the is these is going back to kind of that culture you don't have to engage in too much and like replaying yeah. the stupid scene in uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert that's done in FMV where an Einstein that's slightly out of frame goes back in time and kills Hitler by shaking his hand. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, fascist us. <laughs> I, that I, I and, remember uh, the script for some reason. Yeah, I mean that and the uh, the Tim Curry sp- uh, space thing is uh, is uh, both extraordinarily watchable. I, I know Tim Curry is like haram because it's from uh, Red Alert. Uh, it's from the third one. It's from, but yeah, still. where you get like like nod and shit. Yeah, right. Is that exactly. one with the brother? Yeah. No, I'm I'm talking. It's much easier, more of a more of a more of a, a clean, straightforward movie about how a time traveling Einstein causes the Cold War to become hot, but not via nukes for some reason, um, but rather via like a legion of sexy women who all are really good at explosives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the Red Alert two cast, Red Alert cast. Um, but it's it, we had a, we had an episode on Red Alert. It is like it is very much like Red Alert is is easy to mine for content. But um, it's the, it's go, it's going through that it's if when I when my when my brain goes all psychology, um, that's when it, even going sort of just that's one of the because um, you the way you deal with intrusive thoughts or one of the ways you deal with it is by sort of repeating is sort of repeating your own stuff yeah <laughs> like oh, oh yeah thoughts well, t- try some of this um, try try some try some, uh, try some of the red alert trailer <laughs> um, and yeah. it's. And so, but being able to go back and sort of find that content online, even it, it, even if it's sort of part of that ephemera of that age, has been, I think it's 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 so unlike, say, you know, of different weird, rare comic books of a of the the sort of mid century, you know, there it's this is because of the nature of games and even like game sort of, um, I guess uh, not ephemera, but sort of the game sort of bric-a-brac, the things mm-hmm. surrounding games that have everything from the trailers to the intro movies to the horrible, weird FMV cutscenes. Um, right. I wonder what those actors are doing, but they, they're so they're there Not for much. you to get back to um, and be sort of be useful for you today. And the other one I would do, and I don't sort of, this doesn't so much help with um, brain psychology, but uh, 
I sort of almost just did if I couldn't fall asleep is I'd just be like, well, time to watch every single fatality of Sub-Zeros from the entire Mortal Kombat series. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's, there's this... <laughs> and there are a lot of them, man. You got all those games? <laughs> really thematically connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there are only... You know, he was one of the lucky ones. He had a very good gimmick. Um, I feel like Kato had, like, was kind of tough after a while. Like, once you... Once you get over the ripped off arms or whatever, like you just have a guy yeah. with strong. I mean, Jax is even worse off because <laughs> he has his strong legs. He's just a Hannibal Burris joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but so, like, I, I mean, what's what's fascinating to me about all this is that, like, the um, the uh, like what what I found with game like watching these games or right, watching these YouTubes, I, I started getting into let's plays uh, before I started gaming again, and I was thinking like, oh. You know, what I like about these is the funny commentary. Mm-hmm. And then as I got more into it, like I would watch stuff by Retsuprai who like, you know, Slow Beef and his other friends would do like longer games. Like they play like Silent or they play like Clock Tower 3 or whatever, Clock Tower 2, which had nothing to do with the Clock Towers I knew. And like they'd be super long and extremely dull and just like them kind of like working their way through a game that made no sense. And, you know, they would be like nine hours long over several parts and they couldn't keep up shtick that long. It was like, there'd be parts where it would just be them being like, the hell do we do here? Uh, and then I would just start watching games that I couldn't play without uh, commentary. And I realized like part of it for me is just, you know, the escapism of playing games, like the idea of being able to turn my brain off to stop thinking about a million different things. Uh, mm. That can be uh, approximated in, in YouTube videos I think it's that's not true. Exactly the same, but like for a while, that that was enough. Like I could just watch videos from like I don't know, like a door the doorway series, which is this kind of like real B subpar horror series that I just kind of like the concept of, but the execution, even while I was watching all of it, I would one hundred percent say was not ultra effective. Um, <laughs> but like I didn't have to play it; I just had to watch it, and like I got, I just relaxed and watched that when I needed a break, and it kind of clicked on the same dopamine receptors as playing the game would. Um, yeah. It's such a weird feeling. It is. Well, it's the, um, well, it's the, it reminds me of a, you ever see um, on, on YouTube a lot of the time when this stuff gets cut together, it will be sort of referred to as uh, the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and in some cases there, um, you see my, um, my, my own particular history with uh, gaming has been uh, quite up and down. Um, and so it tends to be now I will stream a full game movie if I tend to be interested in something in particular, something sort of very in particular about the, um, a mechanic or a, let's say a, uh, a, a, or even an element of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, because what happened just so I guess, so I can explain why I sort of, why I'm sort of so dependent on, on sort of. YouTube and even just reading uh, for all my game stuff, why I keep up with it uh, is because when I moved to the United Kingdom from Canada in 2011 uh, to go to university because I have no respect for, um, uh, I guess, uh, my own uh, money or time uh, or How sanity. Or, or <laughs> <because> country, sir. <laughs> Where, where's the patriot um, going to Medill? Oh, the um, that's one thing about sort of English, about 
uh, English respect for England is Mm -hmm. that the vast majority of people consider patriotism to be kind of weird. (laughs) And the only, I find, I don't know if you, because when you sort of lived here, if you found this, but that the British seem to view their own country through with an emotion I can only describe as affectionate disdain. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. When I was uh, there, I remember the main thing, like, uh, that we had a, I mean, the main two things were... Like it was a it was a study abroad program. We had the the someone from the House of Lords talk come and talk to us, which was weird. I don't know how they got that person to come, but I guess they don't have much to do really. They um, really don't. No. Uh, so he just came by and talked to us. I, I picked up two things from his speech. The first was that everyone thought it was um, at once troubling and hilarious, which is that affectionate disdain. That the 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 highest national religion in England at that point was uh, Jedi, as opposed to <laughs> Anglican. <laughs> like, they, they liked that and hated it also. And then also just this uh, extreme racism towards Eastern Europeans. They yeah, that's that part. Really the, the first like bit is kind of like charming and like, oh, you you Brits. Yeah. The second bit is troubling. Yeah, they <laughs> the second really bit is don't, horrible. I mean, they would. Uh, everything about eastern europeans they'd be like they'll come up and dance on you in a club like those watch out for eastern europeans everywhere you go and i was like this is weird man mm. like <laughs> weird open racism um but that seems to that seems to be the 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 melange of of the uk that i got um yeah i mean that's also but you were also living in like central it's like central ass london right i was in east i was in east london i was in, in oh yeah, in yeah. one district Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So but, you were still yeah. sort of near the city. Nearish. Yeah. 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 Um, I was not. We yeah. were not. Too, and when we were talking to that guy, we. I mean, we may have well been in the geographic center of London. So yeah. yeah at that point, that was like sounds about right. That was yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Posh. No. Uh, West, West West London's fascist shit. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> Except it. Except for I, the. Nah, East London's where it's at. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Everyone thought I was crazy when I said that when I was in college, and I was like, man, I don't want to live where everything's super expensive and it's all these white buildings and. Oh yeah, like, the, like that's the that's the thing that you have to remember is that when you have a place that's that old and that rich, like every single one of those houses has had at least one thrill killing in it. Yeah, oh, got to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or I mean, and and if, if there hasn't been a thrill killing in it, someone has died from some disease that like uh, get, yeah, right. Like that, everyone kind of just gets embarrassed if you mention that. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've told this story in the podcast, but the. Um, this is this is this is the kind of uh, this is the kind of aside that that the listeners love. Um, I don't know if they love it or not, but the, um, uh, <laughs> this is for the fins. Yeah, <laughs> but I uh, I used to buy comics. Speaking of comics, back at, in like back in the day when I was in high school at this place called Cyborg One uh, near near where I grew up. Really great store. Um, if anyone's in the Doylestown area, go to Cyborg One. It still exists. It's in. It's actually a lot nicer than it was when I used to go there. Uh, one of the employees bought it and made it nice. So that's my plug for Cyborg One. But the, um, there used to be this regular <laughs> who came there. He was a really weird dude. He was like, I don't know, maybe like 50, uh, and buying comic books every week. And, you know, so you get the picture. Um, and he would always come in with this backpack and uh, and, and make pe- make them put his, their, his comic books into his backpack uh, before he'd leave. So he'd make the cashier put the comic books directly into the backpack, and then he'd walk out the door. But he wouldn't take it off his back; he'd just keep it on. Um, and so he was he was one of those dudes that would talk endlessly about like haunted tank and like weird old DC, kind of like what we're doing. But like mm-hmm. 
but not in the cool way we're doing. <laughs> yeah, not in the cool, sweet gamer way. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but one day, he, uh, uh, James, uh, the guy who I know from the shop and who bought it, um, was putting these things in his, his backpack. And he goes, hey, man, what are these rags in your backpack? And he goes, oh, just excuse the rags. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're from my, uh, they're gout-soaked rags. They're from my bout with gout, so to speak. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, I suspected when he didn't take off the backpack that he had some kind of like, you know, um, some kind of some kind of body shame. He had a bout was, with gout. He had a bout with gout. Bout with gout. So, and he he literally said so to speak, which was so, the to, other, speak. Oh, so to speak. About with gout, you know the expression, yeah. <laughs> phrase that everyone uses. You know, I don't want to be cliched here, but I've been having a little of a bout with gout. If you know what I mean, I can't walk. My feet swollen to shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like, so, yeah. but like, the back of what you were saying, like, the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it, it is the sense of like, um, I mean, so you, you couldn't bring anything with you. Like, you couldn't bring anything with you no. when you went to the UK. And I was also not only that, but, uh, like, when I studied here, I was living in halls, um, at, like, the London School of Economics and, um, Oxford. Mm-hmm. And I, there was just no, like, even if when I was there, I couldn't have bought any. I couldn't have bought anything. Yeah. Um, you know, like the at, at best, like in the um, sort of what I where I first lived, where I was um, uh, at, at LSE, I was like unable to even have like a common room. I didn't even have a fridge. Uh, you couldn't yeah. have anything. It was it's so weirdly controlled. They're and super then, bare bones there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like when like when you when you sort of get through to um, uh, when you when when I was then sort of. Uh, did more more studying up in Oxford. I was able to like at least have a common room with like a game system in it. But even then, you don't have that kind of ownership. You don't, and you get this sort of. I hate to evoke what um, liberal concept, but uh, mm-hmm. sort of, an, you end up getting a bit of a tragedy of the commons because okay. why I'm I don't particularly, especially when you're when money's tight and you're a student. Um, well, I could spend you know sixty quid on a new sort of you know triple A game. But then at the end of the sort of my utility of it isn't just limited by when I can play, but I won't even be able to take it with me because this isn't my system. So then I just end up with a sort of very expensive um, box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and so I was sort of I, – I, and so I wasn't able – and this, so this, this medium that I had grown up with and become very close to and that meant a great deal to me personally, uh, I almost had to like – like my video game career kind of had to stop in 2011 artificially. Yeah. And so I had to find a way to stay with it. I had to find a, a way to sort of stay close to it. And there was a while where I sort of, I gave up to be honest and I've kind of rediscovered it. Um, I say relatively recently, uh, I, I, I would think, um, that, that sort of getting that sort of enjoyment and go and sort of drawing back into that period, but back when I could, um, I could, I could engage in it more and more readily. Yeah. Um, and my computers were always never sort of super great. So the best I really could ever do was, you know, um, uh, laggily playing uh, Civilization Five. Or um, I've played a I've played a lot of games on on a laggy laptop before, man. I know I uh, I, I know this feeling. And um, uh, 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 one uh, in browser game called Love Hotel that was hilarious. Oh, nice, excellent. <laughs> you can make a lot. You can make a lot of people that are made out of two pixels bang. <laughs> And then you get money. <laughs> it's like Custer's Revenge, man. 
fewer pixels, way, way less pixels. We're talking two, three pixels a person. It's more of an erotic snowman game. <laughs> you should, you should download and play a uh, friend of the podcasts. Uh, I think it's a uh, uh, boner man, Inc. Uh, made, <laughs> at, at the Twitter account made a game called uh, shower with your dad simulator. Uh, I have, I've seen, I've, I've seen that played. It's good. It's I have, fun. Um, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen that on a, on a, I saw that on a, on a compilation of just like, of uh, small, strange games. Like sometimes like they'll, you'll, like they'll just go, there's people like streamers will just do their roundups of here are some weird games I've played. Nice. I have indeed seen Shower With Your Dad and uh, gotten the soap bonus. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, a, yeah, I just, I, I love everything about that game. And like, it's hard to explain why without sounding like a total weirdo. But um, yeah. But no, I, I like I totally agree with you. Like, and and have a kind of parallel experience where like I in 2010, so I kind of fell out with gaming for a while because I just like I I kind of lost the appeal of it around. Mm-hmm. I don't know when, like maybe going into college, I I wasn't gaming as much, and I would game sometimes when I when my uh, friend Emerson was home from school and I was home from school, and we lived close to each other, so we just like hang out at night and like play RPGs or whatever. But that was mm-hmm. basically just like a. Um, an excuse for conversation. And I didn't really like gaming by myself. Um, and then slowly but surely I got more and more into it. And I was limited by, I moved to Chicago for graduate school mm-hmm. and I had an Xbox 360 at that point, but I didn't have a lot of time to play it. Um, and I was married. So like, I don't know if you have the same embarrassment of playing video games in front of people as I do, but I <laughs> like, I remember my buddy and I would play gears of war uh, before I went to grad school and like I was very sure to have that off well before my wife came home because I did not want to explain Gears of War to someone who was a normal person. <laughs> no, they're locusts. No, but they're big, but they're locusts. <laughs> why are you playing as these like why why are you playing this weird gay porno that <laughs> doesn't have any uh, nudity? Like, no, it's super straight. That's what it is. No, it's it's super cool. It's like it's like that movie, Top Gun. It's really straight and manly. <laughs> <laughs> So like well I I basically started getting into games again via like I don't know interesting critical problems like I was interested in walking simulators and what those were and I ended up writing um, a scholarly article on Gone Home and um, the Talos Principle and I just started like thinking about it and I was all laptop gaming um, and then I started the podcast and the the writing and everything and I got more and more into it and finally got a gaming PC and that's how I started doing it but I would say for about seven to eight years I was not gaming at all and I missed a ton of big games as a result you know it's just like it I, the the YouTube stuff was even less of a catch-up for me as it was just a way to kind of get back into the the feel of what I enjoyed about it well I, I mean I think a lot of that's kind of in process for me as well where I am um, I'm, I'm now looking at purchasing uh, with my flatmate. Um, I'm looking at purchasing a uh, a console. Yeah, uh, because we've we finally have started living somewhere uh, where we've got a bit of stability. Um, and because in London the norm is you basically move once a year because okay. there are no tenant protections here at wow. all. It's the nice. wild west. Rent control not a thing. Um, occupancy rules not enforced. Uh, and the, the the landlord is basically all the rights. And so you sort of, you can, you live there for one year and then they'll raise the rent by like 50%. Uh, and <laughs> you'll just have to go. Uh, and yeah, you gotta and leave people, that yeah. And people live here in sort of communally for a lot longer, like into their thirties. Uh, wow. People tend to live here communally. 
uh, and it's considered completely normal, um, which I, I sort of I keep forgetting isn't the case elsewhere. It's um, a very New but, York thing too. I mean, yeah, like, true. a lot of yeah, but like I mean, New York and London are the only cities I know like that. Even Chicago um, has sort of like a lower cost of living, such that like most people I knew weren't living with roommates by yeah. their thirties. I choose to be here. <laughs> hey, it's a cool city, man. I like London. I, I would happily go back to London if I had to live internationally. I know that's like the bougiest choice, but mm-hmm. I liked it there. No, it's it's I, I I I actually I actually do love it. I just think by by having now been here for so long, I'm at the point where like I um I can't really um express any kind of sort of unalloyed love for it because oh, yeah. no one from like there's no one from london would ever do, would you ever have, do you, that you're a, you're you're a british person now you've done it this is your naturalization <laughs> test you know, you know what it is is it's this is great because i have all of the like sort of uh confidence attitudinal um and sort of unhappiness of the brits with the accent of a canadian <laughs> finger, that's an italian finger kiss right there that's perfect that's you're gonna what you get want. You're, you're gonna get home to canada for like holidays or something like that and like literally before you say a word they're gonna be like is everything okay you seem very unfriendly <laughs> <laughs> this happens this happens um largely because when uh, like in in Britain, I found how people bond with one another because that's the thing. It's like Brits wouldn't really realize this because they've grown up in it. They didn't have to like have this anthropological study of it in yeah, order sure. to you know fit in. Where how the way people sort of interact with one another here, if they want to form a friendship, they'll do it through um, mutual shit talking of something. Yeah, they'll do sure. it by finding something to complain about and then complaining about it together until they're drunk, mm-hmm. and yeah. then and then they're friends. I said, well, and that's, and again, like, just sort of, um, the, I, 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 given as I spent sort of so much time on Ventrilo in my teens, um, it was something I was just very adept at right away. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like I, the few friends I made, cause like I, I was unlucky in that I was with a, 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 a U.S. group of people studying abroad, but I was lucky in that, like, unlike some of my school's programs, I was in a British university with all sorts of British mm. people. Which British university so, like, were you in? Uh, Queen Mary. Oh, yeah. Queen Mary. Queen Mary. Yeah, Queen, Queen Mary. Mary University of London. So just over yeah. there, wherever wherever that is, I can't yeah. remember the Myland. stop anymore. Huh? Is Myland. Myland. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, Mile, mile End, not Vineland. Oh, Mile it's End. Yes, of course. Mile End. I just said Vineland, and I was like, um, sounds right. In, incidentally, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, Mile End. That's right. That's right. That was my that was my tube stop. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I loved it there. But the um, but what was cool was, like, the few British friends I made, like, mostly our relationships were I would run into them every so often. Um, we drink a lot. Uh, the one the one guy in the group and the one girl in the group would constantly shit talk each other and then they started hooking up, which was of course the natural conclusion of that. Um, yeah, that's that sounds about right for here. And the other um, guy got stabbed, uh, but he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that also sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it felt very typical. It's- I like I, I knew I was their friend when they uh, when they got on me for uh, kissing this girl in a pub, and we're like they were like. I saw you snogging in the pub, like, I saw you snogging, and I was like, that is disgusting what you're saying to me, like, stop it, and they were like, I, lo- I, lo- I love it, I love it when people think that the British, like, all the British accents are, like, so nice and lovely and, and regal, when, yeah, no. in reality, what you said is much closer to the real thing. <laughs> yeah, they just, like, they just, like, especially once they start drinking, 
but uh, <laughs> yeah man no i i yeah it's 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 a very um i mean in that way like there's there's something about there's something about Britain that makes it hard to understand gaming the same way. Like I, I talked to a bunch of Overwatch players from from Britain a while back, and like their understanding of the of like Overwatch was it was pretty funny because like they definitely should talk each other like or like we're joking around a lot and like their friends on Twitter like uh, who was in there like Tom J Allen if you know him and uh, uh, Poundstorm Mike if you know him. Uh, moon tree zone they're like all sorts of like twitter uk lefties but like yeah. who i'd known forever but like uh like i didn't know their real names until they were on the podcast but they were all super good friends in real life and like it felt it felt like this mix of gaming as we would know it in america which is like okay you're just gaming there doesn't have to be anything mm-hmm. else to it you're just trying to game but also this kind of politicization where they were like yeah like we kicked this guy out of our group one time because he just like he started doing all this weird ableism stuff and he seemed real fashy. And I was like, I was thinking about like, what would that be like in the U S like, I don't, I can't even imagine politics coming up in that way in the U S it's, it's a much more libertarian kind of gaming culture than it seems like it would be in the UK. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, that's probably, I think that is a, a cultural difference, uh, issue like that. Like the fact that like you tell me that doesn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we are, um, I say we, uh, the Brits, um, are... You count, you count. Uh, you have I, a British I, well, podcast, you have to count at this point. Oh, that's true. A British podcast, it's like a British passport, only it doesn't get you anything. <laughs> uh, much like the British passport won't in a couple of years. Um, it's... Uh, Brexit it's talk. Like, you, think, about, think about this, like, um, the, um, the extent to which, like, football teams, like, uh, foot football, not uh, U.S. football, oh, um, right, are, right. are intensely politicized here as well. Like, these activities take yeah. on greater significances. So, for example, um, uh, just – and again, you can – I mean, th- there's the sort of an entire sort of categories of literature about this, sort of uh, football hooligan literature. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. that talk about sort of the, the, the football factories up and down the country. Uh, the one team that always sort of stands out for me is the most political. Um, and this one is unfortunately political in the other direction that we might want it to be political. Um, uh. have you ever, have you ever heard of a football team called Millwall? No, immediately. All I think of is the Simpsons joke, Millpool, when he signs Bart's pass. <laughs> Well, okay, so Millpool. Um, no, uh, so okay, so this team Thrillho. Um, finally, do it. Um, so uh, Millwall is famously uh, they're based in Bermondsey in sort of southeast London. Um, okay. So, and this it's, in this area is in fact this area used to be the was an example case and probably one of Britain's um, most. Uh, incredibly horrifyingly unequal uh, uh, law rulings from the 19th century, uh, which is, I think it's called um, private nuisance, where uh, the judge ruled that what was considered appropriate as a level of nuisance in Belgravia and Bermondsey would be different because oh. Bermondsey is a shitty poor area and Belgravia is a rich area. So wow. their standard of what's okay to do there is different. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's yeah. wild. <laughs> so that should, yeah, Britain, regular country. Uh, so that should give you, um, yeah, anytime someone's like, we have to reclaim Britain's history as a guarantor of human rights. Like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we, we, I, would, I would like us not to, please. <laughs> because if they do that, then all of a sudden it's going to be legal to like just store pig shit outside of my flat based on where it's located. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so, uh, the, but this area of Bermondsey is historically sort of quite sort of like not 
sort of particularly well off, sort of relatively down at heel. Um, and unfor- very unfortunately, uh, if you like, was uh, sort of radicalized in the wrong way. So when we think of these sort of white, when we think of this sort of the, the worst of the white working class myth, that the narrative that the media uh-huh. kind of perpetuates that they're sort of extra sure. bad. It's the, usually it's these the this sort of the the, the mill the sort of the Millwall type. I'm trying, I'm trying to be very careful not to be horrible here. Um, okay. Is the one that they'll talk about. And so the Millwall Millwall team was sort of famously uh, is is the team of the skinheads. In, oh. in they're very objectively, they are British nationalist. They are famously sort of um, anti-black. Uh, they have been banned from almost every, oh, not almost every, but many um, away stadia uh, because they are so famously basically violent and hateful. And their chant is actually, everybody hates us, we don't care. See, that's so funny because like, uh, so my... American football team of choice is uh, is the Philadelphia Eagles, and so like, mm-hmm. go birds, hmm? go birds, go, go, right. birds. <laughs> go birds. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like the Eagles. Uh, it's funny because the Super Bowl is coming up, and the Eagles are uh, improbably in the Super Bowl. Um, not something that happens to us a lot. Uh, and the Patriots are the other team in the Super Bowl, and I, I literally saw. So like, two thoughts came to mind when you were saying that. The one was mm-hmm. I saw an article by Dave Zirin called. The progressive case for the New England Patriots, uh, parentheses seriously, mm-hmm. and I, you know, no offense to Dave, I don't, we don't really know each other, uh, so I mean, I'm not trying to start a fight or anything, but I just thought it was a ridiculous premise for an article because I was like, it's just like a company, man, like you know, like what are we going to make political cases? And he says this in his piece, and like, okay, fine, you know, it's just this piece for the nation or, or whatever. It's 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 meant to be sort of uh, provocative, um, but it didn't make any sense, and like. The other thing that that your discussion made me think of was there's an attempt to make the the Eagles out to be like a bunch of hooligans, like oh, all Eagles fans like to throw beer at other other players and and get mad and stuff, and 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 they're violent and vile people. Um, and you know, some of us are, but like, uh, <laughs> it's not untrue in some ways. But like, it never rises to the level of politics, if that makes sense. Like, it's never like. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, the Eagles are a historically racist team. Um, the Phillies, who are my baseball team of choice, actually are a historically racist team in some ways. They, um, they, you know, were one of the last teams to integrate. They were uh, vile to Jackie Robinson. Uh, you know, they, they sort of, they, they out, they um, made uncomfortable one of their best franchise players, Dick Allen, because he was black um, and was perceived as making a, a white man lose his job. Like there's all sorts of terrible history with that. But again, in, in much the same way, like video games are um, whitewashed through this sort of libertarian impulse. So is baseball. I mean, no one would accuse mm-hmm. the contemporary Philadelphia Phillies of being racist. Even like the closest political thing we have, say like Chicago's North Side Cubs team and Chicago's South Side White Sox team, you can ostensibly be fans of either of those. There's a class suggestion. Uh, I suppose, in a racial suggestion, like, you know, you, you can sort of like, because Chicago is so deeply, deeply segregated um, because of redlining, but plenty of people like the teams just because of where they live and what they like to root for. Almost always, it's like, it's it's immediately detached. Like, you can make the suggestion and then you have to be like, but really, like, who cares? But the Millwall example seems to be exactly the opposite, where like, it's literally it is political. Yeah, like yeah, that it's, seems it's, to be it's, the, it's from the start. Well, I'm just, I'm just sort of reminding myself of the facts of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have you, um, are you familiar with this, an event in sort of a recent British history uh, called the Hillsborough disaster? 
explain it because I, I think so, okay. but I, I'm 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 well. This is I'm worried this is that sort I got of, the wrong thing. Sorry. Well, this is um. I'm thinking of the, Grenfell. I'm thinking of Grenfell. No, no, uh, no. Yeah. Hillsborough yeah, happened in, the, in it, it happened in like '89. Okay. Um, and it was again. It's it's back to do with sort of football and the relationship of, and it sort of it politi- it, it it became more political as a result of this event. But essentially, there was a game between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, and it was it was occurring in um, in Sheffield. And what happened was just a sort of like like ninety some odd ninety six uh, some odd people uh, were um, like killed, in um, wow. as a result of crowd mismanagement. Like Ugh. it's. Wow. So what? Yeah. So basically, just without um, without sort of going into too much detail, uh, there was a people were sort of allowed to file in, but the police kind of really kind of fucked up just where people were going, the barriers, and so on. Is where the different fans were going to different places, um, and in the um, the so where the Liverpool supporters were going, it was just it was so poorly managed that there would and like, there ended up being a panic and people were crushed. Um, and this was covered up by the police uh, for decades, and they said that actually what happened is the Liverpool supporters uh, were violent and mobbing and so on. And wow. um, this was not true, of course. This was, just, it was simply a case of mismanagement where it was foisted on the fans of this team as being particularly hooliganish. Now, Liverpool has a history of being a, a, a sort of slightly le- more left team because Liverpool is a sort of a left, a more left city. Um, sure. And... What's very interesting is that the Sun, the sort of right-wing rag, it's like, what if Fox News wasn't afraid Sun. to show tits? Um, yeah, well, that's a Murdoch Mag, right? He owns that, yeah, right? Yeah, it's him. And they they were sort of leading the charge against the Liverpool uh, uh, fans and trying to make it seem like their fault and exonerate the police. No. Um, yeah, I'd love to exonerate the police. We need to protect the police. <laughs> Cop is a race. Um, and so what happened as a result of that is that Liverpool is – you now, as a result of that, you now cannot buy a copy of The Sun in Liverpool. Wow! Um, really? Yeah, yeah. If any, like, you 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 don't you don't you don't sell The Sun in Liverpool. Like The Sun and Liverpool do not mix. And so I think that's and so that's that's almost a very long winded way of explaining why I think sort of your or my sort of wonder, my my theory as to why sort of the your friends might have mixed an activity and politics a little bit more because yeah. these group these these group identities in um in England and well the UK and more generally uh I seem to me to be more sort of integrated so I think in, in America I feel as though there is this drive that may be lessening now to say oh well we're gonna put down politics and just have dinner we're gonna put down politics and just uh, go to a sports well, game together because all this no not lessening that. not lessening <laughs> not even a little yeah people I mean people want it even more now that it's a mm-hmm. more divided sort of uh, political sphere uh, not that it's more divided in fact but more divided in discourse for sure yeah um but yeah, I mean, it, I've gotten in all of my sports writing almost forever. I've gotten a stick to sports kind of thing uh, because mm-hmm. people don't like mixing politics and sports here. And the same with games, right? Um, that's all of what Gamergate was about. Not to of course. speak of the devil and they will appear. But the uh, I mean, oh my god, Ian Miles Strong, he's, he's in the room. <laughs> he and uh, my, that was that was a uh, that was a good visual joke for everyone who is currently on the video of us right now. <laughs> the ants are coming from inside the house. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. God, incel corner. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, when they bought my house, they told they told me I shouldn't have an incel corner built in here, or else I'm going to get Ian Miles Chong's everywhere. <laughs> but I gotta have my incel corner. <laughs> 
where else am I going to be incel? <laughs> Baby, I'm incel all over the world. <laughs> but it's like, it's, I think for me, like, what's funny is I never would have thought of this. And I, I don't, I truly, like, I've been thinking a lot about who, who likes my podcast and why. And like, cause it's hard, it's hard. And I'm sure you have the same feelings, uh, doing trash future. Like it's hard it's hard for me to sort of understand what people get out of it while producing it. Right. Like it's difficult to know what appeal your piece has while you're making it. Mm. Um, and so when people say they like the podcast, it's always very flattering and I'm happy to hear it, but like what they say to me about why is always novel to me. Um, but the, I've been thinking a lot about it and I've been thinking about like, okay, there are these episodes that are very focused on a topic. And then there are episodes that ramble a little bit and sort of like come to conclusions, uh, in, in what might be called more of a, uh, a deductive as opposed to inductive way, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what like, that's what basically what this episode's been. But I, what I, I like those episodes a lot because I always come to surprising conclusions. And I'm surprised by this conclusion that, like, your re-entry into games and my re-entry into games seem very, very similar. And I think in some ways, like, what YouTube videos do, and I, I guess this is bad, but I'm not sure that it's 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 um, pernicious. Mm-hmm. Uh is that they they depoliticize games again. They make games seem apolitical. And like in graduate school, like I went I was in a very Marxist department. I learned all my Marxism in grad school. Like that was just like hardcore class analysis all the time. Um and games seemed kind of frivolous. And to sort of like have that frivolity um uh backed up and people just saying, like, yeah, just watch it. Just like relax, just have a good time. Like, it allowed me to kind of care about them again, even outside of a political sphere. Um, and, of course, I re-entered them into a political sphere almost instantly. <laughs> Hell yeah. But, like, you know, I mean, there's there's a way that, like, hyper-politicization um, can make video games seem kind of pointless. Yeah, well, I think it's, we you get that. I mean, it's, this is this is where I, I kind of go into my sort of almost, I guess, your theory of, a theory of games. But, you know, if you think of sort of art, as you know as purposiveness without purpose um oh kantian over here yeah well i i mean it's mainly mainly i i, I draw little little bits of, from here and there but mostly i just parrot uh horkheimer and adorno <laughs> um because you know because <laughs> I'm no guy, i mean honestly I'm a, that's yeah because i'm a guy who yeah, looks like this of course i parrot, parrot horkheimer and adorno um, one of the funniest things that anyone ever told me i'm, I'm interrupting you again but one course, of the funniest things that uh someone told me i went to go see i went to see um uh chapo and uh street fight in new york one time um uh, a while back and I was like, I knew those guys from online, but they didn't really, we hadn't met in person before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Will was saying, uh, Will, Will Menneker was saying, yeah, you know, like, uh, uh, where's Trev? Like, where's Trev in the audience? And, uh, and, and Matt Christmas was like, oh, he's here. And Will's like, well, what does he look like? And Matt goes, he looks like every other person here. <laughs> <laughs> he literally looks like the whole audience. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's, I get it's, it. it's the, um, it's the uh, white guys with messy hair and glasses caucus. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Great caucus. Everyone loves us. <laughs> Everyone loves the caucus. Um, but what I, what, I, what, I, what I was saying was that with this was that, um, you know, I think it's on the, there is, to me, there's this, there's this, there's this tension of uh, what is the art for and what is the art uh, essentially, you know, so, and you could, and you could think of that in terms of, um, of it, <laughs> And I, uh, and that's, I kind of think almost where I want to tie it even further back, uh, yeah. to what we were talking about at the very beginning about sort of using an art form in an unexpected way to make something else, 
you know, the art, the, the Command and Conquer Red Alert 2 FMV movie uh, isn't designed to be a way to deal with intrusive thought syndrome. Right. Um, the character creator in The Sims isn't designed to, you know, improvise around to ultimately um, create a, a hilarious sitcom. <laughs> um, you know, that these and I think it's and the, the challenge to me with, with video games is that they are design is that you're doing this not just building on its create and on the creators but in many ways you're doing it despite the creators it's like this isn't just the death of the author this is the firing of the author under the sun yeah um because you're because the video games if especially sort of um you know, you're sort of on rails JRPGs or whatever. They're made to do certain things, perform certain functions. And in many cases, I often wonder, you know, an AI could do this. An AI could play The Sims yeah, and it could play absolutely. it effectively. It could manage a family effectively. But um, and this is even how I often think of sort of my own life and how I sort of came to want to sort of do more creative things is if you just wake up and, and, and you know, go to work and, you know, go to bed. Um, you know, anyone could be living your life and there's, and, and it's what you're sort of able to bring to it. Um, and so I mean, that's, it's a belief in that creates a lot of anxiety in me. Um, but it's one that, you know, prods me to, you know, occasionally do a fucking something instead of just, you know, lying back and just go, they just, you know, like going on fucking, um, Tinder. Um, <laughs> and so, um man, I'm glad I don't have to use Tinder. That's like, yeah. that's like my one, my one thing that I, I, I get on my knees and thank, uh, whoever for every single night is that I don't have to date in the contemporary world. Uh, it, 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 it turns out it was, um, it was, ten, it, it, it was Quetzalcoatl. Uh, Quetzalcoatl, <laughs> Quetzalcoatl saw to that one. It was Quetzalcoatl so. the whole time. My, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite bird god. But that's why I think this is so interesting that there people are, we're doing this with video games because video games are, if you like, a kind of art where the way you interact with them is the most prescribed in theory, where yeah. there is a, it's a piece of art where there's a right way to interact with it. And I think in many cases, the best, um, and I think this is why I prefer the YouTube model to the Twitch model is a YouTube model, you can interact with it in ways that aren't, in, that aren't even intended by the creators. Yeah. Um, and that's, to me, what sort of makes it this sort of new and unexpected source of creativity. Um, and, that's, and that's why I think I, I brought up um, uh, Horkheimer and Adorno a little bit earlier, because it, in that sense, it resists the power of the culture industry to just keep reproducing itself and to keep that machine, the, the quote I love from that, from the dialectic enlightenment is that the machine is rotating on the spot mm -hmm. and sort of, it's that the culture industry is sort of there to be, I guess you could say, um, it's there to reduce, it's there to find what works and then that becomes immutable. You know, mm -hmm. when, when we realize, and so that what, what I sort of, I keep imagining that like, as the sort of mad movies continue to get made and acquisitions continue to carry on, that uh, Hank Hill is going to become an Avenger. 
um, right. and the, the power of propane, <laughs> right? And then there's just going to be one movie that gets released every year and it's going to have every character and it's going to have every celebrity and it's going to last like seven days. Yeah. And, and then that's in installments every single, yeah, and yeah. that's going to be the movie. And yeah, it's released. Yeah, it's, it's, it's seven days worth of movie released in installments with every character crossing over in new and interesting ways that are only superficially new and interesting right. and interacting with games in ways like this, I think breaks that particular hold and that's why i like it so much yeah Yeah, that's super interesting and i think it like it ties in it ties in something that i think is underrated in adorno and horkheimer which is that the only way you can know what the culture industry is doing um i talked a little bit about this uh on a recent podcast uh that i guessed it on um i think i think they're calling it the void but uh i guessed it on that um, about uh, May 68 and the the situationists. But this all comes from Adorno and Horkheimer, where, like, the idea is you have to actually, like, experience the culture in its banality in order to be able to critique it. And, like, sometimes you have to experience a lot of it. And so, like, watching a bunch of YouTube videos to get your feet wet in terms of, like, what is gaming is not necessarily the worst way to do it. I mean, it, it's academic. It's... It, it, it focuses on the experience and doesn't force you into the situation of not being at a like at very limited critical distance. So I think that's I mean, honestly, that like that makes a ton of sense to me. Oh my God, did we just justify streaming? I think we just just we did it. And and I think just uh, just a little over an hour. We justified streaming. We did it. And we did it in a transatlantic way. Fuck. Yeah, and this is awesome. Well, I mean, you look you look almost tired. Are you? Uh, no, are you I'm really. Early, I'm, early I'm good. Day. I'm just, uh, I'm just, um, I, uh, among my many <laughs> issues are, uh, I have uh, issues with, um, uh, pain. So I just have to stretch occasionally. Oh, <laughs> uh, smart. Smart move though. Nor- that's, well, that's, um, that's why it's weird that podcasting exists. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's the perfect thing when you have back pain, yeah. right? You're just like at a computer, yeah, hunched over. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I hope, and, and you're wearing glasses, so it helps your eye strain too. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this was great, man. Do you have anything that you feel like we didn't touch on? Uh, no, I mean, I think this was a really, I, this, I mean, I, this, I thought it was cool. This was stuff I, I don't even, it's thoughts I've been trying to pull together, mm-hmm. um, but never really managed to get them in an order until just now. That's the so, ideal. That's like, so that's, long what we, as, that's what we love to do. So long as all the no cartridge listeners are fine with the first draft of my thoughts, and Jesus Christ, I hope I didn't accidentally say anything problematic when I was talking about Millwall. <laughs> there was there was that whole bit where you uh, laid out the taxonomy of the races and which was best. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that of was course. A little from, weird. Yeah, for my game phrenology simulator. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we might cut back on that, but you know, we'll let the <laughs> listeners decide. Oh, fantastic! Um, well. Uh, so you can find uh, Riley at at R A A L E H. That's right. Uh, and then uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, plug your plug your podcast. Hell yeah! Um, so uh, Trash Future is a podcast that I do with uh, some fellow um, stand up comedians from London, some journalists. Um, and so you might. So it's myself, uh, Hussein Kesvani, who's famous for just sort of relentlessly trolling Raheem Kassam, Breitbart editor. Um, I think that's how he got his verification. Uh, and my, and then our friend Milo Edwards and then, uh, our sort of other friends come in occasionally, uh, as well to kind of associate host. It's a loose collective of people, but what yeah. we talk about is, um, uh, we talk about, it's a comedy podcast first, uh, but we talk about inequality 
and the sort of the choices that lead us to it and the consequences of it and the ways in which that manifests, I guess, in something kitsch. Um, but in one of our more uh, recent episodes, uh, we talked about a new kind of scale uh, that weighs you using psychology instead of numbers. Oh, no. <laughs> if, if, that, if that helps to give an indication of our content. And more recently, yeah. we did an episode with um, Jake Flores where we just sort of forensically and uh, hopefully humorously take apart Raheem Kassam's book about why I apparently live in a Muslim area where I'm not allowed to be. <laughs> it's, you are, uh, you it's, are it's, living the re- renegade life. I'm living as an infiltrator in the caliphate of East London, according to Raheem Kassam. Well, you know uh, what? Just uh, just keep looking swarthy, man. That's the only way you're going to get by. Again, really great joke for people watching the video. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I'll release the video. It's no. Wait, you guys didn't subscribe to the secret double Patreon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, you have to pay $100 a month even to get invited. So, you know, we're just waiting for, waiting for you. Hagelbot cam, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll ring that tip jar. <laughs> ring, that t- ring that tip jar. I'll show you my critique. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for being on. Come on again soon. This was a blast. Yeah. This was a blast. I loved it. And I will, uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Hope to be on again soon. Hope to have you on Trash Future as well. Excellent. Can't wait. All right. Talk to you soon, man. Later, man.